Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. Unfortunately, the first show of the international break. We are now in that two-week lull before the Premier League returns with Arsenal's trip to Brentford. The final international break of 2023, though, so it's not all bad news. We have a nice little run through till March before the next one. So let's just get this one out of the way, shall we? And then we can really kick on in terms of what's going to be a massive, massive run up to Christmas and over the festive period. You look at the Premier League table right now and it is very, very tight. And we will talk about that. I'm going to do a bit of a sort of Premier League review, Premier League roundup uh, a little bit later in today's show. Got to discuss that game at Stamford Bridge yesterday. What a mad, mad, crazy game. Premier League at its finest yesterday, Chelsea versus Manchester City. And that has certainly sent us all into the international break. All very, very tight at the top of the Premier League table. So we'll talk about that. I've got plenty of questions from you guys as well. We'll start off with the sort of latest as it comes to Arsenal. It is pretty quiet today. Of course, it is Monday, the first day of the international break. Players are beginning to sort of head off to their international teams for the fixtures that are coming up. We're still not exactly sure what is going on yet with Gabriel Jesus and Martin Odegaard. Arsenal and Brazil in talks over Gabriel Jesus is injury. Brazil, we know or certainly very publicly in terms of their stance, that they are calling for Gabriel Jesus to travel, to go to Brazil, so they can assess him and make a decision on him. It's a bit of a high profile, I don't know if spat's the right word, but this all stems from the last international break when Brazil didn't call up Gabriel Martinelli because he was injured. Martinelli then came back and was on the bench for the game against Manchester City just before that international break started. He came off the bench, scored the winner, in that game, but of course didn't go over to Brazil because he hadn't been called up because they thought he was injured. That clearly riled up the Brazil Brazilians a little bit, or certainly the Brazilian national team manager, judging by the quotes that we've seen from him in the last week. 
And so he has called up Gabriel Jesus, despite the fact Jesus hasn't played since the win in Seville. The fact, you know, he wasn't in the squad at the um, at the weekend against Burnley and hasn't even been trained with the squad yet, which Arsenal have made it very, very clear to Brazil. Yet Brazil has still been insisting publicly anyway that he has to travel so that they can assess him and make a decision for their games coming up. I think they've got Colombia on Friday and then they have a big, big game against Argentina. Um, there's no Richarlison, of course, because he's had his operation. Whether that has made it, you know, they're more determined to have a look at Gabriel Jesus because they know that Richarlison isn't there and they would want to have Jesus starting as a number nine in that game. So the talks have been ongoing. I think we'll probably find out a little bit more at some point today. By the time you're watching this, we might already know a little bit more in terms of what the decision and what the conclusion of those talks have been. But Arsenal have been trying to make it pretty clear that they don't think Gabriel Jesus should go, which is absolutely understandable. You know, Mikel Arteta said many a times that he doesn't mind his players going over to the inter- to play for their international teams. He says it's, you know, a joyous thing for them that they should go over. But let's face it, if you've got an injured player, then there's no point in him going. And especially a player like Gabriel Jesus, who's so important for Arsenal, who hasn't played enough minutes this season because of injuries and didn't play at the weekend, hasn't even been training with the squad yet. What is the point in flying him halfway around the world for doctors to assess him, to decide that he's injured and then fly him all the way back? It was bad enough in the last international break when England did that to Bukai Saka and made him travel by car for a couple of hours up to St. George's Park and then made the decision and sent him back. That was a wasted few hours for Bukai Saka when he should have just been sitting at home resting, doing whatever he needed to do to get that injury uh, over and done with. But to send Gabriel Jesus halfway around the world to make these decisions, it just seems absolutely mad. It seems petty, to be honest. And from an Arsenal point of view, you can understand why they are desperate to avoid that happening. Like I said, we should find out a little bit later on today, I would say, what's going on with Gabriel Jesus. Martin Odegaard's in the same position as well. Like Jesus, he didn't play, didn't feature even in the squad at the weekend. He's been struggling with that injury that he picked up Um before the Newcastle match, wasn't it? He was struggling with a hip injury, came back, scored against West Ham, seemed like he was fine, then got injured just before the Newcastle game in training on the Friday. We haven't seen him since. Norway did call him up in the squad, but Norway's manager has been slightly more pessimistic, shall we say, than the Brazil manager. And you would expect a decision with Martin Odegaard might be a little bit easier to come by with that. They are important games for Norway. They're virtually out they you know this is their last chance of I think trying to keep their hopes of qualifying for the Euros alive so you'd expect they would want Martin Odegaard of course to be fit for this game but you know you can't be taking any risks on that especially your players are so so important for Arsenal's point of view it would just be utter madness to me so fingers crossed a sensible conclusion is reached with these talks and in the next 24 hours or so we hear what is happening and I would expect that um you know, the right decision is come to, but we shall wait and see on that. Let me know what you guys think, of course. Um, when it comes to these stories, you know, who should be, do you think they should be staying? Surely you should. I can't see anyone who'd really think it would be a good decision for those guys to uh, head off to their national teams. Uh, elsewhere, in terms of the international players, I think Tomiyasu is uh, going to be heading off, isn't he, with Japan. Kai Havertz will be with Germany. Saka, we know, is gone. Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, Declan Rice, there's no Eddie Nketiah in the squad. A few England players have pulled out, but Eddie Nketiah hasn't been added to the squad. Cole Palmer has, deservedly so, I would say. I saw for um, 
Konza uh, has as well. So a couple of players have been added today by Gareth Southgate, but no Eddie Nketiah, despite him being in the squad in recent weeks. And I think for Arsenal, it's just a case of crossing the fingers, hoping everyone comes back fit and can get ready for that big, big game against Brentford, uh, which is coming up immediately after the international break. Talking about Cole Palmer being included in that England squad, what a big moment it was for him yesterday. And if you're watching this on YouTube, what a moment that is kind of for the Premier League going into the international break. You look at the league table there on the screen ahead in front of you. And I mean, how tight is that? Manchester City top with 28 points after 12 games. Liverpool just behind them on 27. Arsenal is um, behind Liverpool on goal different, also on 27 points. Then you've got Spurs on 26. Then you've got Villa, fair play to Unai Emery on 25. And then, honestly, the maddest thing of the lot is looking at that and seeing Manchester United stick in the table. How has that happened? Honestly, how are Manchester United just seven points off the top of the table? It's utterly madness compared to, considering how awful they've been. But they're on that little trick, Manchester United, of they haven't drawn any games. And that does make a huge thing. You look at that, they've lost five games out of 12 this season, United. Compare that to City, only lost two. Liverpool, who have only lost one. Same as Arsenal. Spurs only lost two. Villa only uh, lost three. But Man United have lost five and they've got a goal difference of minus three. And yet they're sixth. Unbelievable, but they just haven't drawn any games. So the other seven they've won, and if you do that, the difference between win, you know, it's just huge. Those two points, and um, so yeah, somehow Man United are in uh, are in sixth. But you look at that top table, especially you look at the top four. I mean, it is so so tight. Um, I thought it was a brilliant game at the Bridge yesterday. Four four. It's just one of those Premier League classics. You're going to see it played for years to come on those highlights packages when Sky put on the Premier League classics. Um, fair play to Chelsea really um, deserved their point. I thought City, I didn't think were great at all, but it still looked like they were going to win when Rodri popped up with that deflected goal. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd been out, I'd driving home listening to it, got home, whacked the TV on, and within five seconds, or probably 10 seconds, Rodri had scored. It was like, oh God, that was my fault. I shouldn't have turned the TV on. But I was very thankful to see the penalty go in. You know, really good result for Arsenal, good result for Liverpool. And um and it's yeah it's just so tight I think it's a really interesting Premier League I said it all season and I'm not changing my mind last year every single drop point felt so crucial because Man City felt we're going to win every single game I just don't think it's going to happen this way this season I think teams are going to be taking points off each other throughout the season I think you know the next game after the international break you look at that league table the next games it's Man it's it's Liverpool versus City and it's uh, Spurs versus Villa. So, you know, teams are going to be taking points of each other there in those in those games. If Arsenal can win against Brentford, which obviously isn't going to be easy because uh, we know Brentford are a decent side. But if they can, teams around them are certainly going to be dropping points in that weekend. So it's going to be a really important one for Arsenal. And I just think this league, that everyone's more capable than they were last year. You know, Liverpool are a miles better proposition. I think Liverpool look really, really strong. They're scoring so many goals. Uh, they just look a threat. They've sorted out the defensive issues which plagued them last season. I think that Liverpool are going to push for the title the whole way through this season. You know, I think Villa, we've seen with Villa, especially at Villa Park, they're so strong at home. You've got to sort their away form out. They're not great away from home, but at home at Villa Park, at the moment, they are just winning every single week. And um, that's going to put them up right up there. You know, Chelsea, we've seen in recent games how well they played against Arsenal, how well they played against uh, City. You know, got the job done against uh, Spurs, they're beginning to score goals now. Chelsea, which was always a problem. They've always played decent football this season under Pochettino, but they haven't been scoring goals. They are now. I just think all of those sides are capable of taking points off everyone. So I just don't think it's going to be one of those seasons where 
you have to win pretty much every single game. I don't think we're looking at a 95-point season for the title winners this season. I really don't. I think we're looking more in the sort of 85 to 90 points, potentially. I can't see they're going to be, someone's going to be pushing to break that 100-point barrier, which has felt like for the last few years has always been the case for Manchester City. So it's a really interesting one, I think. And I think Arsenal are really well-placed. You see this quote from Mikel Arteta. He said this after the Burnley game. He said, the level and the consistency the team is showing, how we are playing, how the team is competing, we are always there. The team is showing real maturity as well as a lot of hunger to be there and show a, uh, show a bit of bite and teeth in the right moments. I thought those were interesting quotes. And I thought it kind of summed up Arsenal's start to the season. They are always right there. They haven't played at their best. We know that. We've seen it. That you know, It's very, very rare this season. We've seen Arsenal look absolutely brilliant going forward. But they're there. And that's so important. I think they are showing maturity. They are getting through games. We saw it against Burnley again at the weekend. They they can win games when they are far from their best, when they're far from their fluent attacking best. They've got the capabilities of winning games, of staying in matches. They're showing real maturity. You look at their defensive record this season. Um, you know, joint best there with Liverpool, 10 goals conceded. They're not conceding many goals. They're looking really tight. There and they're staying in games, and they are they know how to battle, they know how to show some fight. They showed that at Newcastle in a game which was always going to be one of the toughest away games of the season. Yes, they ended up losing. We know why they lost because of that game. They weren't great going forward, they never really looked like scoring. But I thought that performance, you know, it said a lot about where Arsenal are and how difficult they are to beat. I really do think Arsenal are going to be such a tough proposition to beat this season because they're so good off the ball. Defensively, they're very, very good. And um, and that's just where Arsenal are. And I think there's so much room for improvement going forward, which is a big positive. You go back to where Arsenal were at this point last season. You know, they've been flying, they've been blowing teams away, they've been scoring so many goals. And we're just on that sort of riding that crest of an attacking wave of a real sort of emotional wave that we're on. It's very, very different this season. But the good thing is last year, it was almost only one way to go. And that was down because they'd started so well with so much momentum or winning games in such style. And it's like, how do you maintain that for the season? But this year it's different. It's little building blocks, I think. They're winning games. They're still very good. And, you know, 27 points from 12 games, that is a decent return. But there's clearly a lot of room for improvement. Players are going to come back. Injured players are going to come back. Really important attacking players are going to come back. And that is going to make Arsenal a better team going forward. There's no doubt when you can get Jesus, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, those four are actually playing together a lot this season. They're going to be a far better team. And they're going to do far more going forward in that final third. So I'm quite happy with our, where Arsenal are and sort of assessing this first sort of, I don't know, is it, yeah, we're at the quarter, quarter point of the season, aren't we? 12 games, so we are at the quarter point of the season. I think Arsenal are in a good position. I think they are very well placed. But let me know what you guys thought. I uh, think I'm going to do some videos this week, I think, certainly over the next fortnight during the international break, sort of like Arsenal power rankings and ratings of the players so far, sort of summing up where I think Arsenal are right now so be good to get your views ahead of those videos and where you are you know what are you feeling about Arsenal season so far are you positive are you negative are you let, let me know please do in the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, right, sorry, done that. I just wanted to quickly uh, talk about the Arsenal women yesterday. Fantastic. What a game that was uh, yesterday. 2-0 down at half-time, coming back to win 6-2. Yeah, six goals at half-time. Lacasse, Russo, Ford, Palova, who was brilliant yesterday. Palova, what a performance that was. Blackstenius and Hertig scoring the goals. Uh, really unfortunate Beth Mead didn't get on target when she came on in that second half. She had a couple of really good chances. That one-on-one at the end when she went through and put it straight at the goalkeeper. You could see how disappointed she was. She really wanted that first goal back from injury. Um, but, you know, that would have been the perfect way to wrap up. It was a fantastic second half and just a really good performance. And again, you sort of look at where the women's table and how that's shaping up at the moment. It is very tight. Chelsea, of course, sitting top of the table, three points clear of Arsenal. But after that slow start to the season Arsenal had, those disappointing early results, they're beginning to claw back and they're sitting second in the table now. Um, and they're fairly well placed again. I thought it was a really good performance. The second half, the midfield was so so good. And like I said, Pelover, I thought she pulled the string. She was excellent in that in that midfield. It was a really thrilling uh, thrilling game and a great uh, way to sort of end Sunday night watching that TV. So fair play to the women. Really good game, and uh, fingers crossed they can continue this form over the international break for the men and um, and uh, keep themselves right at the top of the table. So well done to them. Um, on to your questions now before we wrap this up today. Also, actually, myself and James Benj are going to be sitting down, I think, tomorrow for Inside Arsenal Extra Time. And what we're going to do, or one of the topics we're going to discuss, we're each going to pick the one January signing we would go for to make Arsenal better for the second half of the season. I think it's going to be, you know, it'd be a realistic signing. So I'm not going to suddenly say Viniscus or... or uh, you know, Mbappe or so, someone like that. But so it's got to be a realistic signing. But we're both going to pick one that we think could improve Arsenal and maybe prove the difference maker in the second half of the season to try and win this title. I'd love to get your comments or your choices as well, so I can bring that up and we can discuss that in the show and go through some of your your opinions. So if you want to reply to this, you want to take part and you want to throw forward your suggestions for the one player you would sign in January, who you think would make the ultimate difference in this title push, please do leave them in the comments below on YouTube or at me on Twitter. You know where my Twitter is, I'm sure, at Charles underscore Watts. And just and start it with the words extra time and then the player and the potential, you know, little reason for it. So start it with extra time, start your comment with extra time, then give me your choice of player you would sign and then a little bit of an opinion as to why you would sign it if you want to get involved in that show. Like I said, I think it's going to be tomorrow. Um, so yeah, do get involved in the comments below. Okay, here's one from The Prince for Christ. He says, hi, Charles, great show. What do you think will make us hold up until May for the title? An Ivan Tony type striker or a Piquetta-like left eight? Personally, would go for the former. If there were any former guarantees, Thomas Party can be fit for 2024 running. I don't think you can upgrade a lot of, upgrade a lot on Party Rice, Odegaard midfield. Yeah, unfortunately, there are no guarantees that Thomas Party can be fit for 20, the 2024 running. I mean, this kind of is a little bit what we're going to discuss in that show tomorrow with James. So I'm not going to give my choice in terms of a player, although I say that I haven't actually decided on the player yet. But if I had the choice in terms of a position, I would probably 
out of those two, I'd probably go for a left eight type player. Um, I still think that Arsenal have got enough going forward. And I know lots of you disagree with me. I think Arsenal need to sign a striker over the next two windows, but I would go for that in the summer rather than January. Um, I just think Arsenal, what the area that's really worrying me at the moment is obviously that left eight. And I'll talk about Kai Havertz because I've got a question coming up about him. The fact that he hasn't been able to make that position his own, I think is a concern because Arsenal are basically carrying a player at the moment. Uh, and that will change, I'm sure, when everyone gets back fit because I don't think Kai Havertz would be starting at the moment because of his form. But yeah, I look at that one position and I think that's an area that if Arsenal could find someone who's going to offer more in the second half season, get some goals, get some assists, I think that could prove really, really important. So I would probably go for a Paqueta-like left eight rather than an Ivan Tony type striker. Uh, so thanks very much for your question. Um, here's one from Aquasi underscore Ace41. says he changed his handle to make it easier for me to pronounce. Thank you very much. Uh, per your observations, what do you think is Kai Havertz's best position? During the Community Shield, I thought he did very well as a false nine in the right midfield position. I feel he's been a bit lost out there. Zachary either drops deeper or moves centrally towards the left wing. There's no connection with Kai. As it stands, Cole Palmer looks a better player than Kai. I think Kai is a player. Just I cannot wrap my head around him and what's got wrong, gone wrong for him in EPL. Yeah. Um, I think his best position at the moment, same as me, same as you, I think it's false nine in that sort of, or a, just a nine row. I think that's where I've seen him do his best stuff for Arsenal. That's not to say he's done brilliantly there. I just think he's done all right there. And the more I'm watching him at the moment in the midfield, I thought he played well against Sevilla and I was really hoping he was going to back that performance up against Burnley at the weekend, but he didn't. It was just a nothing performance. And it's just, it is a growing concern. It's the big, big concern of where we are at this point of the season, a court way through the season, is that the Havertz thing is just not worked and we're not really seeing signs of it that it is going to work. And that's a big, big concern considering the money Arsenal invested in and because considering how important that position is, it is a worry. So yeah, I re I can't wrap my head around really what's gone wrong for him in EPL. We know he's a good player. We know he's got lots of talent. We know he can do things. He can step up. He can score in big games, but he's just not showing that at the moment for Arsenal. And it is a worry. And um, so yeah, I I think it's probably false, uh, a false nine or, or the nine, but that's not saying much at the moment. I think that's just because that's where he's been least bad, if you see what I mean. And that is a big con concern couple here on the atmosphere at the Emirates. One from Sam and one from Toby. Sam says, was wondering your thoughts on the atmosphere this year. Really noticeably flat and people leaving 15 minutes early. Stark contrast to last year when it was bouncing the whole season. I can't remember a game with the amount of people I saw yes, uh, yesterday left early. Toby says, you yeah, know, seen lots of tweets complaining about Emirates atmosphere. What are your thoughts on it? Seems clear the atmosphere has not been as good as last season. Um, and at times before, yeah, look, it hasn't been. Well, it certainly wasn't at the weekend, the Burnley game, but I'm not overly surprised on that. A, the performance wasn't brilliant. I think you do need the team to get the fans going. I think last year, Arsenal were obviously so fun to watch, so swashbuckling in their attacking sense that that just immediately got the fans into it. That didn't really happen against Burnley. But I think the atmosphere in some of the other games, admittedly, they've been big games for Man City, Man United, Tottenham. You know, they've been very good atmospheres this season. I think this one, the Burnley one, a three o'clock kickoff, on a Saturday against a you know a low team, it, it wasn't great. And there was a lot of empty seats, I thought, noticeable. And I don't understand that because it's sold out. And, you know, I, I don't know why. The, the only issue was London was a bit of a mess on Saturday. The tubes were awful. There was loads of tubes, lines not running. And you had, obviously, the big, big protests, the pro-Palestinian march. And then you had the idiots. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about them, the sort of far-right um, counter-marches. 
that just brought chaos to London. You know, there were so many people on the streets. The fact that tubes weren't running made the tubes that were running even more crazy. And whether the people saw that and just thought, you know, I'm just going to stay away from London. I'm, not, I'm just going to choose not to go to the game. Maybe that contributed to there being quite a few empty seats in the match. And that obviously didn't help with the atmosphere. But I just think the big thing, the big thing about the lack of atmosphere is the lack of Ashburton Army this year. They were so important last season. So important. And the fact that Arsenal have slashed their tickets and only there's only now you know, a fraction of the number that we saw there last season in the clock end, I think it's made a massive difference. I really does. In those sort of lulls that we see, especially in those sort of games against Burnley, they were the ones getting the chance going and really pushing things. And the fact that there's so, you know, miles fewer of them this season, I just think it's making, that's definitely having an impact on things. I remember last year when they had their protest, Ashburton Army, towards the end of the season, I think it was in the Chelsea game, wasn't it? Right at the end of the season when they left their seats for the first half an hour or whatever it was of the game. It was really noticeable then, the difference in the atmosphere. And as soon as they came back, as soon as they came back into the stadium, you suddenly heard it change again. And so I think that is a massively important thing in this. I know people talk about the ballot system and all that, but I don't, you know, as, an, as frustrating as the ballot system is for loads of people, and I know it is, and I speak to my friends who are part of it, who are clearly frustrated at how it's working. That's still a very small percentage of the number of tickets sold in terms of who's in the ground. You know, there's still 40,000 season ticket holders in the ground, for example. I think the big thing is the Ashburton Army. I really do, especially for games like Burnley, where you kind of need that sort of, I don't know, cheerleader type thing to get everyone going when the game's pretty flat and it's a, you know, it's just one of those sort of games. And I think that was a real, real key thing. And that, might, and also what I was talking about the trains that might have contributed to people leaving early and certainly earlier last season. But I also, and there's also the fact that last season we were all riding the crest of an emotional wave, weren't we? No one was expecting what happened last season and it did and we were winning games late and there was this thrilling football being played and we were all just caught up in it and I think that obviously made the atmosphere incredible. This year we've all gone into it, you know, for, you know, probably, you know, you could say it's a fault, but, you know, there's added expectation, isn't there? And people now are turning up thinking, we've got to win because of this, we've got to win the title. Last year it was a little bit different and everyone got caught up in all the emotion of it all and I think maybe the expectation levels of maybe contributes a little bit. I've rambled a lot on that answer, I'm afraid, but I think all of those things combined contributes to maybe the atmosphere not quite being as raucous as it was last season. But I do think the Ashburton Army was such a crucial one. Uh, and just wrapping this wrapping this up now is one from Adib here. Chowdhury says, hey, Charles, can Raya play in the next game against Brentford? No, he can't. He's not because he's on loan uh, for the season. Premier League rules forbid that. So it's going to be no David Raya in goal for that game at the GTEC. It's going to be Aaron Ramsdale providing, of course, fingers crossed he comes back from the international duty unscathed all right that's it from me everyone like i said if you want to get involved in this week's inside arsenal extra time please do reply in the comments below with the words extra time the player you would choose realistically please uh that you think arsenal should target or try and sign in january to improve them and give them a real boost in terms of the title run for the second half season put some of those together and uh we'll sort of myself and james will debate them when we give our picks for that as well until then have a very good monday wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world i'll be back tomorrow speak to you soon
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.